You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Basketball has officially entered the second half of the season. And this is the time for teams to prove if they are contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Get in on the action now to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with a DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. The New York Knicks are one of the biggest underdog surprises of the season, so you could probably make some money off the backs of players like R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and Julius Randle. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 40, as Andy and I get closer and closer to the end of the season as the Rangers make their way into the playoff race and just stay alive day-to-day, week-to-week, as the number of games remaining dwindles down and the amount of points that we are uh, looking at to gap, uh, gap up into a playoff spot remains the exact same. So, Andy, I have to ask you, how are you doing? Doing good, all things considered. Uh, even though it's, I still don't think the Rangers will get in. They're keeping every game interesting. Uh, you know, I have the New York Knicks <laughs> seemingly barring a, a monumental collapse for the first time in God knows who, how many years. They look like a real uh, dangerous team. Then if they're very close to clinching a playoff spot, uh, they're on a nine-game win streak as of this recording on Sunday. Uh, can't believe it. I'm still, and you can just at least from that, um, you know, that area of my fandom, I'm getting so much energy, and it's kind of helping me settle with the fact that the Rangers most likely aren't going to make it, and the sour grapes that if they were in any other division, they might. But you know, and at the same time, it's uh, timing is everything, and the Rangers' timing is 
with their just with their personnel and their youth and even hell with their coach you, i guess you just kind of the more the, as acceptance washes over me you kind of realize you know this probably wouldn't be there they get in but i i wouldn't see them you know maybe they make the second round but i you know would even doubt that so hey they got another i don't think um the the draft rules that were just with the lottery now that they're in place i, I don't think it's like a retroactive thing so i think the rangers could still technically jump up right it's just going forward you can't um so yeah so they'll get another chance to draft a player in the top 15 most likely which is good for them you know they they definitely need some depth down the middle but uh yeah and just the amount of prospects that have broken into this team this season is ridiculous and there might be even more next year which is so it's just it's very it's been very cool to see that even though ultimately it's looking like they're running out of runway here but and they're still listen they're still trying to compete they're not just giving up there's a lot of teams that are out of it that you just clearly see around the league that the um the new jerseys the the detroits the uh the the ducks of the world have just they just give up you know and they quit on their goaltenders and this rangers team i don't they're not about that so that's good i i'm i'm more looking for them not to give up i don't care if they win or lose so much but if they they just start throwing going through the motions because there's what how many games left like you know that's unacceptable to me right and you know it's funny that you brought up new jersey kind of quitting because you know we were you know both the biggest new jersey devil fans this week because they were a team that really could have helped us and they absolutely got slaughtered by pittsburgh they've now lost nine in a row uh, New Jersey and the Islanders just seem to like whenever we need them to win, they lose. And whenever we need them to lose, they win. It's like everything has gone the opposite way of the New York Rangers. And it's just so frustrating because, you know, with a little help in our division, we would be like a couple points out. But it it like doesn't really matter. I mean, the last time the Rangers are six, three and one. Obviously, their Rangers are one and two in the last three games, having tough losses to the Islanders that we'll get into and um, the, the Flyers and then they bounce back and they have a, you know, a really good game uh, and they kind of, you know, righted the ship a little bit. And with a big Buffalo win over Boston, it kind of keeps the dream alive a little bit. And, you know, that's I guess that's all we have, Andy, is that is the dream of just not being mathematically out. Um, it's funny because in, uh, in in some of the divisions now you start see teams clinching Vegas clinched Colorado clinched Minnesota clinched and that fourth spot's up for grabs um Carolina's like a couple points away from clinching along with the uh, Florida and Tampa and really that fourth spot is up for grabs in that division and then you go down to the Scotia North um and you know it, that division is just I don't even know what to make of it and we'll get into that a little bit later but uh, n- nobody's clinched there yet. But it's basically Toronto's division, and the other three teams are just uh, you know throwing darts at the at the wall, and whoever it lands on will get in. So um, you know, looking at our division though, um, again, you know, I know last week I was all about the Islanders losing because we played them, but now they're sitting about nine points ahead of us, uh, both uh, the same amount of games remaining in eight. Uh, Boston has the two extra games to be played and they're six points ahead of us. So, you know, the worst case scenario, 10 best case scenario, six, we play Boston twice. We play Islanders twice. We need help. Um, we need, we need some help, Andy. And, uh, you know, there's a huge game today. 
No, we're not getting it really from anyone. But there's a huge <laughs> game today. I believe it was Pittsburgh and Boston play each other. So, yeah. uh, you know, when you're listening to this, you'll know the outcome of the game. I'm sure it'll be in overtime um, uh, later on this afternoon. Rangers play Buffalo twice a year. Obviously, two must wins to keep our dream alive, Andy. Um, but, you know, looking at that Islanders game, because I feel like that was almost like a game that you saw last year in the bubble where you just saw a better team just kind of dismantle everything the Rangers were doing. And, you know, the Rangers were not playing the New Jersey Devils four games in a row. They were playing a team that wants to compete for a Stanley Cup. And then you saw, you know, the game against the Flyers where then Truba was out and with Zach Jones in and, and uh, you know, Philly's just veteran presence and, you know, that offense kind of was clicking and, you know, you saw the Rangers fall twice and then they bounced back nicely against the Flyers on uh, uh, Friday night and, uh, you know, get two points there. But, you know, when the Rangers yeah. play these better teams, I wanted to ask you, like, you know, it, it's good almost, I feel like, to get their, you know, butts whooped by these bigger teams. It's a learning experience, no? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it, as far as the Islander game goes, they were that was clearly they could kill two birds with one stone. It's the Rangers were on their coattails and also they have to start gearing up here for the playoffs. There too, Zajac and Palmieri had been pretty quiet for them as acquisitions so far. And they saw Boston in front of them was starting to gear up. So yeah, they, the Islanders just turned it on and they were clearly in playoff mode for that game. And it just showed that they literally just were sticking to their structure they won all of their battles and they just didn't make any mistakes and this rangers team is you know uh for for better or for worse right now for all the skill they have it's just there's a little still figuring things out and free license and that's where they got really exploited you know especially i'd say uh some of the youngsters like Keandre miller and uh Batetto and you know it's just just some yeah it's just wherever they were the Islanders were just patient, and whenever there was a uh, a little uh, you know chink in the armor, they they exploited it and found it. You know, so um, as yeah, and it. But to your point, it, you're right. It is a learning experience because even that game, the first game versus the Flyers, where they lost, it was more. You know, it, it wasn't even as impressive of the victory of the Flyers. Just again, it's just the Rangers, just bad puck management, little mistakes, and you just saw mentally they were kind of like tentative, and and of course. Uh, if we know anything about Elaine Vigneault and his teams, considering we used to be one, is that when teams are a little just too tentative and he can stretch the ice, it can really make life difficult for you. But they came back the next game and they flat out were just the better team. You know, even though they maybe had some hemmed in at some times, but everything was kept to the outside and they just kept their f- f- um, their feet on the pedal. And yeah, they ended up on uh, the winning end of that one. And Georgiev was good. So um, yeah, it's kind of learning. and. Obviously, much has been made of him, Quinn finally flipping Lafreniere and Kreider, and lo and behold, you put Lafreniere on the first line, and he plays more like a first line or skill guy, gets a goal. Um, and you know, now it seems like Kraft's off his might finally replace uh, Blackwell on that second line, mm-hmm. and then you'll have Kreider with Hedl and Kako, and they seem to actually working out too, because you know Hedl and I, you could argue that between all of them ha- are good board guys and. They definitely are more, they can play more of a forecheck heavy, grinded out style, you know, where either Kreider can get in first with his speed, and we've seen how tenacious Kako has been, but he can still create. And Heedle has been good 
for a little bit now. He's I think he's you know prorated his point per game pace. He'd be on a forty two point in an eighty two game season, which half a point per game for a rookie, which is great for a kid who's twenty one years old. Um, you know he has that beautiful between the legs and puts it backhand. It just goes right off the bar. Like if that had went in, what a goal that would have been. But then he still scores that goal just using his. He's going to be a problem, man. I mean, just even now, it's just you can't stop when he keeps his feet moving and he uses that big Yager butt of his just to kind of just to buy himself uh, space and just back defenders away from him. So and that's the other thing. It's just kind of hard to you have to just remember that even though it's, it's tough right now that in two years, just these kids are going to be even stronger on their feet and even faster. And Miller is going to be even more physical because we see that starting to come out from him and he's going to be more decisive and less hope, you know, God willing, hopefully less uh, forced plays and things of that nature, you know, and hell, even for Zach Jones, I did want to ask you what you thought of him in his uh, two games. You know, it's a limited sample size, obviously, but uh, for the most part, you know, I saw the little flashes of obviously the confidence with the puck, you know, a little tentative. But what did what did you think of Zach Jones and his, uh, you know, his uh, first? Uh, yeah, his first glimpse on this team. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just want to start off, you know, saying with Zach Jones is that um, little South Kent shout out they had uh, when they played the Flyers. Um, uh, Zach Jones and Farabee were teammates at South Kent, which is the prep school I went to. And uh, also Shane Gostisbehere went there, but he was a little bit he was between me and those two guys. So um, a lot of South Kent players skating around on that ice. Uh, just so I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for just going to the same high school as them. So, um, but uh, yeah, Zach Jones, man, I tell you, you know, looking back at Keandre Miller's um, his first game, it was kind of like the same where you saw the glimpses, but you also saw the shakiness, right? You saw uh, the struggle with a little bit of the gap control. You know, it's a, it's a game that he's obviously hasn't seen yet and he's going to take time to adjust. but. Um, you know, I thought his second game, it was a little bit better. And, you know, obviously the sample size of two games, you can't really tell what any rookie has, especially jumping in in the middle of a playoff run or playoff race and uh, playing teams that are gearing up. I mean, God, I, I just, you know, they say he's going to be like a, a Adam Fox light. If he gets anything remotely close to like that status, you know, I, I think he'll be a tremendous player but you know overall his, his first two games I thought he was shaky at moments but you know overall I thought he you know was fine he seems like a, an even keeled kid where he's not emotional um I think he'll approach the game uh and, and work on the things he needs to work on I thought a couple times his gap control he kind of just got burnt uh, I don't think he's used to the NHL speed yet but you know those things are you know, unfortunate, unfortunate and fortunate, you know, those are the growing pains of, you know, a prospect. And, you know, I don't know. I thought he did perfectly fine. I mean, he's, he's a bigger kid. He's, you know, six, three, one eighty six. I don't know. He's got a little bit more room to fill out. Um, We're talking about Zach. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's five (laughs) ten. I'm sorry. Not six, three. Uh, he's five. No, he's he's five. He's small kid. Not yeah, Smaller kid. That's what I meant. I don't know where I got six, three from, um, you know, he, uh, no. And, you know, he's got room probably to fill out, but he's going to have to, um, you know, figure the speed out. I think that's the most important thing for his game is the NHL speed. He's got to be able to control it. And you see Adam Fox, um, you know, you know, Adam Fox just, you know, he's 
so cerebral in everything he does with the puck. And that's what you basically want out of Zach Jones. Just, you know, be smart with the puck, uh, learn how to control and dictate the uh, opposition. And, you know, you don't have the, the size advantage. So you got to be a little bit more cerebral and outsmart, outsmart your opponent. So, again, I don't know where I got 6-3 from, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, and I, I agree with that assessment. I think, you know, he didn't play a ton of minutes, but that first game he was clearly tentative and he didn't do anything too egregious. You just obviously saw a little bit of a physical mismatch in his own ends on board play and things of that nature and trying to take pucks away from guys as they're shielding, especially if a guy like Voracek you know, in the zone, holding on to the puck, you know, he's not gonna be able to do anything against him. But, um, but yeah, that second game you saw, he was a little bit more aggressive, uh, making his way up the ice and it helped him because when you were aggressive, it, it almost, it, yeah, it gives you, buys you more time and space than just waiting for the game to come to you. He's not that type of defenseman. He's definitely gonna have to be more proactive because he's, you know, uh, uh, a little bit more slight, you know, but as we've seen every, pretty much all, for the last two seasons with Adam Fox, it's that when you have good puck handling and puck control and poise and good vision, you can, and passing ability is that, yeah, that can be your, sometimes be your best asset is, you know, cause we see the way that Fox opens up space for everyone. Cause he, he let, he sucks guys in. He, he purposely lets them come to him, them with the confidence that he can get it, let go of the puck at the last minute. And now he's already drawn defenders to him and they just buy some more space for his, uh, you know, his teammates. So, yeah. And I mean, just it was funny just because I'm like, man, it's just between Keandre and Lafreniere and now Zach Jones and, you know, just even seeing Ray Unanin for a bit and then, you know, going on Twitter after the game and you can see that um, Braden Schneider scores the OT winner for his team. Matthew Robertson has a nice goal today. It's just like the Rangers have to, you know, young, young, talented defense, but coming out of their ears, you know what I mean? Which is great. It's uh, and uh, we and yeah, Nils Lungfist is now playing. Uh, for the Swedish national team he got I think he got a call up for that so it's yeah it's just it's it's going to be real interesting to see who eventually is the ends up sticking because there's obviously not enough spots you know with some of the contracts on this team right now uh but yeah I mean I think the beauty of it is the Rangers are definitely going to be able to be spoiled for choice for how they construct it you know what they decide their ultimate mixes because I I did want to talk about this on this podcast James as I um I don't know if you are familiar. Have you watched any of the the Marvel movies and the Avengers movies or whatever? Yeah, no, I um, I, nerd, I nerded out. I watched all of them. So you know how Tony Stark has a like a, a nightmare. It kind of starts that whole arc off where he sees like Earth getting taken over. Yeah. So he's like, he develops like you know we have to like be develop what like we have to be proactive and stop the apocalypse and he starts going crazy like i i've in a cold sweat i had a you know i had a vision of an there's an upcoming there's going to be a a a schism in the rangers fan base james and it's coming and it's coming soon it's coming hard and you know what that is james (laughs) what is the schism is it's going to be uh skill versus toughness and it's coming you know we've you've seen glimpses of it from the at, we saw a lot of it for the Toronto Maple Leafs fan base, and I'm just looking at this team, and they have so much skill, and it's great. But you know, I mean, they've upgraded so many positions, but at the same time, it's like I've seen, I felt the rum, like the tremors in the force. I felt the rumblings of like just a segment of this fan base just 
like especially the games where they lose it's not because you know they their puck management was bad or they just didn't shoot the puck enough it's because they weren't tough enough james that's what i think it's going to start coming down to and i feel it it's going to happen i think a big portion of this fan base is going to turn on half of this team or at least not even half this team and just they're it's going to say we need to trade some of these guys for a little bit more of a physical presence. And I think definitely you're going to see that with our defensemen because uh, they love as, you know, between Lindgren and Truba, those are probably the only two guys that are pretty physical. Fox doesn't have to be. He's amazing. But, uh, you know, and Miller's getting a little bit, but I just, between Zach Jones and possibly Nils Lundqvist next year, who I think is actually underratedly physical for his size and his kind of style of play. But just even some of our forwards, I just think, and, uh, you know, between Panarin and Strom and it's just that top six, there is, I, I mean, I, there is a bit of a perceived lack of when it's not working and the skills not clicking and just overhandling the puck and just not, yeah, just not getting it to the net. I just feel it like it's going to happen. It's not this season because we still have, we're still blinded by so many shiny toys, but you know, with next season, with all the expectation, I do have a feeling that sooner we're going to have people. You know, they're and even if it doesn't make sense, they're going to be calling on us trading Buchnevich for a guy who's less skilled but more gritty. And well, yeah, I don't know. I just I I can sense it's going to happen. So I want to get your take on on that in terms of the construction of this team. The construction of this team, you're exactly right, and I think we touched on it last week when we you know spoke about you know when are we going to add grit? Like when does that come into this process? Right? You you got to see what every prospect. Uh, has right they deserve some playing time they deserve to get nhl reps um they deserve their fair shot but at the end of the day we all know that you know building a regular season team is great and it's great to make the playoffs but you know i think we all are on the same page when we're we say like we want to build a team that can win a stanley cup and the truth is when you get to the playoffs the refs put away their whistles it's a grittier game it's a more physical game and it's a um, it's a uh, a style that you see many teams uh you know falling short and great teams fall short um you know look at the for a perfect example is i think the calgary flames i think they had a few years there where they really were a, a, a top team in the nhl and then they get to the playoffs and they just fall flat um even look at tampa bay a few years ago when they got swept by you know columbus they just couldn't match that intensity and it's not something that you can just flip a switch and create, a, you know, create a, uh, you know, identity, a physical and gritty identity. It's something that I think it takes either a mental edge where, you know, you know, where it takes an embarrassing loss. Like I felt like there was almost a revenge status for Tampa Bay last year. And, um, and, and they were able to say, you know what, we got embarrassed. This is our time. And they were able to match the intensity of every team they played last year in the bubble. Um, you know, and I think the Rangers are going to have to be able to not only develop that mental edge, um, and hopefully the bubble was certainly that for some of our younger players and our, our, our leaders, but I do think that the, eventually the Rangers are going to have to bring in some sort of fourth line where, you know, they're able to eat up about 10 to 12 minutes a game, but really just hammer you, physical presence, hitting everything in sight, 
just suffocating you. You know, every time you touch the puck, you know, you're getting hit. I, I believe that things will balance out in our defense. Um, I think Keandre Miller will be a, a physical presence. I think he'll learn that game. Uh, I think we'll all be happy to have Truba in our lineup when it comes playoff time. And, you know, I, eventually I think a Braden Schneidel will, you know, be uh, a good presence to have on our on, on our bottom pairing. So I think defense-wise we're okay. But, Andy, you're right. I, the, where are we going to get it on the offense? Because I, I think ultimately it's our forwards that are going to have to play a heavier game come playoff time. Where are we going to get that? Are we going to trade for it or are we going to, you know, draft for it? Like, where is this coming from? So, I mean, thinking about it, the good thing is it's looking like, especially how he's developing, that Kako is going to be a more forecheck heavy physical guy. Because when him and if he's, let's say he stays staple to Heedle for the time being, right? Mm-hmm. Those two are heavy in the forecheck. So you're never going to complain. Because even with Tampa, when they, they bring in Blake Coleman, it's, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say he's a, it's not exactly Casey Sezika's Martin and Clutterbuck, but at the same time, you know, that Tampa's third line, which they had, uh, I guess it was what? It was Coleman. Um, uh, was it, what's his face? The, he's a, isn't he a long, New York kid? Um, you know, I just forget who the other two were on that line, but it's not that they were like the most grindy guys in the world, but they were had speed and they just forechecked. You know what I mean? So, it's just it has to be a more direct takeaway time and space type of style, basically. And it can't be I love Zabanajad to death, but at the same time sometimes with him, you know, even his when he's playing defensively, he's not the heaviest pursuit guy and he's kind of try to work his way around the outside. He's just there's not a lot of like just going to the net and tying guys up and that type of stuff, you know? So and Kreider clearly doesn't do that enough, even though he can use his speed to heavy forecheck sometimes. Uh, there, yeah, I think you, clearly this team is going to need just some disruptors and guys who can make space out there for their line mates. Because, I mean, you just look at how, you know, uh, a guy, um, I'm, I, I don't know if it's because I didn't have coffee today. I'm terrible with names. Uh, uh, Pat Maroon, excuse me. You look at a guy like Pat Maroon in the regular season, and then you look at how effective he is in the playoffs, just literally just helping his teammates hold on to pucks on the wall or just going to the side of the net and just creating a presence and just yeah scoring some timely goals because it's so hard to buy time and space in the playoffs, but he can make it. And obviously the Rangers, you know, I don't think Lafreniere or Kako, even though they kind of are playing more, maybe they're, they're heavier kids, so they might end up turning into more of a power forward-esque type players. I still don't know if that's essentially their game. You know what I mean? So, and... All the Rangers, I feel like the all the the guys the Rangers have brought in recently to be lower six energy guys, they're good skaters and they're fast and they're tenacious, but they're all kind of slight. You know, they're Filthy Giuseppe, Rooney, and Blackwell, and it's great you can score goals. But I'm just saying, when like to your point, when things inevitably tighten up when you make the postseason and you just need to play direct, heavy, create space for your line mates, it's like. Can those guys do it as effectively as just getting a guy with, you know, size and just enough skill to cash in? So, yeah, you have to wonder, do the Rangers move on, especially, you know, as amazing as much as I love Buchnevich and I hate to hurt him, especially because he's developed such a good two way player and he's such a good penalty killer. You just look at who needs to get paid on this team and who's got no movement clauses and the contracts they gave out. And you're like, you might have to try to cash him in for to upgrade at more positions, you know, because it's one of those things that 
you're going to have to inevitably, you won't be able to afford them ultimately. You're going to have to inevitably um, cash in anyway, or at least upgrade those positions. So it's like, you know, who knows if that's something in the summer that they just kind of take a look at this roster and say, if we're going to, if the expectation starts next season, and these are the clearly the positions we need to be upgraded and be stouter at, especially in the bottom six and, you know, down the middle. Uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening, you know? What's up, y'all? And greetings from the hockey city of Smashville, home of the Nashville Predators, and home to a new hockey podcast, the Catfish and Ice Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Join hosts Chad Benton, Rich Howe, and Colin Bluen every week as we bring to you hard-hitting and unfiltered Nashville Predators hockey analysis while also diving into the entertainment and music world here in Music City. We have a lot of fun doing it, and now is the time to join us for the ride, hockey fans. New episodes of the Catfish and Ice podcast every Tuesday and Friday. Download the Catfish and Ice podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You know, it's funny. With the way the NHL is trending, it's almost like you got to, you know, your all-stars almost have to have a little bit of that grit, you know, also. You know, if you look at Tampa Bay, yeah. you know, they're, if you look on their defense, like Victor Hedman, he's like just a physical specimen. Like he can do it all. Like he's. Yeah, you know, he just does everything. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, it's just. Uh, and you look at like their lines and, and you're exactly right too. Um, you know, bringing in Coleman and stuff like that. And if you just have that like high octane line that's, you know, able to be physical and also contribute on offensively, it's, it's like the perfect mix. And it's uh, certainly an important ingredient in the recipe of winning a Stanley cup. So, you know, where the Rangers will get it, you know, hopefully Kako does bring that element to his game. And unfortunately, Pavel Buchnevich, it will probably be moved because how much money are we going to spend on the wing? And, you know, Buchnevich is uh, a guy who's kind of proven that he is, you know, a guy that, you know, drives offense and will put up numbers and he's going to look for a payday. And unfortunately, with the way the Rangers are built right now, I don't think they really can afford to give uh, Buchnevich, uh, you know, much money or term on a, in a contract. And, and it's unfortunate because there's a guy who I will get this right. I'm actually going to look this one up who is six, three, 197 pounds, according to hockey <laughs> DB. And, um, and he, you know, he's young, he's 25 years old. And you look at the player he, he's developed into, it sucks because we kind of need him. I, I think yeah. I I think he's a a very good player on a Stanley Cup team. I think you know with, with the style of game that he plays, when things get crazy physical, he's he doesn't shy away. Um, and the guy that you know people will circle, you know, in a physical game, a physical specimen, Chris Kreider, he does shy away. He becomes Casper, and here's another one that's six foot three. Maybe six foot three is subconsciously in my head of like maybe a height that I never achieved in life and ultimately <laughs> wanted i don't know where all the six three is now coming from um yeah. you know so I, I don't know andy like it's a tough job to be a gm it's going to be really tough to be the gm of this hockey team because there's going to be a lot of moves that could ultimately backfire but they have to be made you know um there's going to be prospects oh, yeah. that we're we're not going to see that you know, ultimately hindsight will have, be twenty twenty, and we'll be like, why didn't we keep this person? And 
you know, I, I think that's going to happen on the offensive side too. You know, I think we're going to let Pavel Buchnevich go and I, and ultimately I think he could, you know, win a Stanley cup with a, with a team that, you know, it has the pieces right now. Cause he'll be a perfect fit for God, a team, any team right now, if you, that is, you know, interested in making a run. Um, you know, I also wanted to ask you too, um, you know, we have a lot of question marks down, down the middle and we're ultimately going to be bringing in a center, I, I would imagine. And, you know, with our first round pick this year being in the middle of the mix and, and you saying it's a, a deeper draft also where, you know, there might not be that, those stars, quote unquote, um, but there'll be depth players for sure. Do you see the Rangers yeah. actually drafting this year, or do you think that's part of a package to bring in, you know, a, a big mm. first line center? I don't know. I think the the only problem is, like I said, this with the way uh, the pandemic has affected leagues. You know, the OHL not even playing, mm-hmm. and just other, you know, some leagues not even playing, and just limited playing times and viewing times for others, and uh, a lack of in person scouting. I think teams are yeah i think the good thing is that you can i think the likelihood of you drafting a just finding a diamond in the rough is probably higher but at the same in the same sense it's also because it's kind of it might be more of a even more wide open and a crapshoot and like when we look back on this draft you're like you look at the kids that it really popped and they're all over the place you know maybe right. it's only like you know, a few kids in the top 10, but then you look at some of the kids taken at the end of the first round or like the best players in the draft, you know, it's, it's, and especially this draft where there's not an over, like, you know, I think they still predict Owen power will go first overall, but I, I think I've never seen more like all over the place consensus about who should go uh, first overall, because I, I know there's people who think Luke Hughes should go first overall. There's people that think Owen Power should go first overall. There's people who think Dylan Genther should go first overall. There's people who think... Um, well, I have a question for you. That, uh, yeah. To kind of reiterate this point, and, and, and I know you follow prospects a lot more than the average hockey fan, is yeah. do you think that this speculation of who goes first has anything to do with the trend of the last two years of you know Lafreniere and Hughes maybe not being what you usually see out of a, a first overall pick and people are kind of, you know, now are, are trying to find the next, you know, uh, you know, big thing, uh, you know, big time rookie in the NHL. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not so sure just because I think like with Owen power, I think it's clear that he is like his, the reason he's going first overall is because, you know, he's already six, three, two, thir- excuse me, six, six, two, 13. And every team, and he's more. Every, I think everyone knows he's going to be more of a project. But if he pops, he could be Victor Hedman at that. With his, you know, he'll get another. He'll grow another inch or two. He'll end up being a six seven six, potentially six eight, guy who weighs two twenty, close to two twenty or two twenty five, two thirty, and can like skate well and move the puck and has some offensive, a little just enough offensive offense to his game. So I think it's almost maybe more so I think it's less that they're like worried than I mean, and I guess to your point, it, there could be I think maybe teams are realizing that and uh, who knows if they even thought this way to begin with, maybe because really it's usually the fans who are the ones who are like, oh, my God, this kid didn't score 50 off the, the hat with a bust or whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> 50 points in, in his first season where it's like they realize that no matter who it is, it's more likely or not, even if you're drafting first overall, it 
will be a work in project. So if you're going to take a project, if there's not a kid who's going to contribute immediately anyway, why not take the project? Because if he pops, he can then become uh, someone who is potentially the best defenseman in the NHL, you know, in an Owen power. Whereas even though there might be questions about, you know, this kid who, who might be projected to go second or third is a better skater or has his his decision making is better, you know, or he's just a more efficient player at this point in his career. Um, so, yeah, I mean, well, like I, I said the yeah, sorry. No, I, no, because you may, you know, you make all these really good points. And, you know, I'm just thinking about the Ranger situation and um, situation. I felt like I kind of like slurred that. That's weird. Um, if you look at the Rangers situation this year, you know, I'm just looking at the roster, right? And how it's built right now. Is it really worth and how young we are? Is it worth drafting in the first round this year and getting another prospect that needs to develop or, or do we ship that off and, and, and try to bring in an actual NHL ready player? Like with the Rangers, where they are in their, in their development process, where do you think? You know, what are the odds that Rangers draft this year in the first round? Uh, I think it's still pretty high. I think, okay. you know, it's one of those things, especially with uh, if other teams are like, because you want to flip it. But at the same time, it's like, is it a de- is your first round a depreciated asset? Because teams are like, it's kind of a crapshoot this year. You know, not a, fir- a lot of first rounders were flying around at the trade deadline. Uh, <laughs> you got, you know, um, the Islanders. Uh, got two players for one, which was pretty good. But uh, at the same time, it was a little bit, you know, guy who's going to get moved to older. Taylor Hall didn't even get a first rounder. You know, Felino got a first rounder, but it was a late one. But like I th- said, I think just teams are just like, you know, at this point, it's like they almost would rather prefer. Quant- this is the draft where they would want quantity over quality because it's like the quality is kind of there's in question marks. You don't really know. So if anything, I think because we've talked about the Rangers having so many young prospects you know, you can move on from these guys and be spoiled for choice. So I almost think it's that at this point, you know, if they pick, try to pick a, you know, I, yes, you should always take the best player available, but at this point, just take a, a young promising um, forward. Cause that's where they need the depth the most. And who knows, because it's kind of when you have that second core kind of right behind your, your core right now is Panarin and, and uh, Zabanajad and, you know, Hell, even Fox kind of a tweener and Shisterk and Buchnevich. But yeah, clearly the next wave will be the young guys. So as long as you can find someone who can line up with one of those timelines, I don't, you know, I think it's all right because, yeah, because at the same time, it's like, let's say it doesn't, while, while Panarin and Zabanajad are their most productive guys, while they're still in, if it doesn't work out, you know, you are, you are going to need some, some ammo for, to help that second wave out, you know, because if you cash in a little too early and then all of a sudden it doesn't work out and you're like, Oh, you know, this, now we have to try to recoup assets or build around this. So, I mean, I just think they should just make the pick. I mean, listen, unless there's a, a slam dunk youngerish player with term who they really covet. If they're just like, if let's say the Rangers are picking, you know, 15th and Arizona is just like, we can't resign, um, you know, one of our, young centers or something who have term it's just like all right then yeah maybe that's worth it you know but at the same time it's very i think teams are kind of really reticent to make too many moves right now or at least if they're trying with the with salary being the way it is so i think it really has to make sense and i just think um yeah i still like you said earlier i think the rangers are still 
even though they've had a season and they've had so many prospects step in, they're still trying to figure out who is will ideally slot and where. Because I think now coming into this season, they probably thought still thought Brett Howden would be a viable option for their third line center one day. And obviously this has revealed the latter. So it's just funny how things can change. So I think they should just make the pick. And, you know, especially because, like I said, if if it's one of those things where you don't know and you some you just take a kid and he becomes David Pasternak, you know what I mean? It's like that was a, that was a win, you know. Yeah, see Andy, we agree on a lot and that's probably almost to our fault how much we agree on things. I'm the total opposite. Yeah. I I think really? that I think I think it would be foolish for the Rangers to pick in the middle 15. I I think you have an opportunity here to go after some players that probably want to be moved. Um Let's face it, I think Barkov is going to test the free agents water like the free agency market and uh he's going to probably want out of Florida especially if they get ousted, you know, in the first round this year, you know, in four games. Um you know, I, I just think that there's going to be these bigger big name players available and I think a lot of them are going to be very intrigued to play in New York. Uh just with the way the team is built right now. Um what the Rangers need obviously is a big time center. And I really do think you're going to see a big trade for an Eichel or a uh, Barkov during the off season. I really do. Um, I I mean, I would, I would love that to be not to cut you off, but I would obviously, I think, you know, if it was to get included for a player like that, I do think that is something that makes sense, you know? Uh, But at the same time, I think if it's trading it just for the sake of trading it and, no, 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 you know, no. I, just, I, I think, I think it, it has to be the right player. It'll be a bona fide. I that was my point. Yeah, it, no, I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, but in my eyes, I think it's going to be for a big time star. And I think they're going to dangle that first round pick out there because I, I just don't see. I just don't see the point in drafting a project right now when the Rangers have too many prospects. There's going to be roster spots are going to be, you know, Right now, they're the locked-in roster spots. Right now, there there's not many left, and I just don't see the point in developing a player right now when you're going to have some of these guys on entry-level contracts, and you can go for a Stanley Cup. I really do think the Rangers next year will be a playoff team in in a, a regular playoff format, and I do think they're a team that could, with a you know an acquisition of a big-time you know center. And maybe, you know, another grittier third, fourth line player, I do think the Rangers could do damage in the playoffs also. Um, I don't know how they would match up with the league's very best teams, but, you know, given the battle test that we had this season with the division that we had to play in and facing, constantly facing teams like Pittsburgh, Boston, Washington, and uh, I'll even give, you know, throw the Islanders in there and, and, and Philly. You know, I'm impressed at where the Rangers are. It's clear that we don't have all the pieces, but I see the pieces out there. And I do think that the Rangers will be aggressive this offseason and try to bring in another center and, you know, maybe clean up some of the, the loose ends, like on the fourth line, because it's clear that, and I know you would agree with me, that you need an established fourth line. I, I don't think you could have a fourth line that is um, kind of like a road revolving door. I, I do think you kind of need your fourth line established. I think you need a lineup that, you know, 
it's you can move the lineup how you need it, but you need your 12 guys. And, you know, I think the Rangers are going to solidify that over the offseason. Um, but there are a yeah. lot of questions. And yeah, you know, and that's why I do wonder. It's like, you know, like, let's say a kid like Gautier, who's clearly not David Quinn's favorite or if he questions his his play away from the puck. That's the type of kid where I think his skill set, you can play him in a fourth line role and he still has speed to draw. Pen- he draws a lot of penalties with his speed and he can be play a more direct game. This the fact that he is currently riding the bench and they just keep going back to Howden and Di Giuseppe and Rooney and these guys who are ultimately not going to factor into the future of this team. Uh, yeah, that it still kind of puzzles me. And like, even if they, like I said, they maybe question his play away from the puck. But now, I mean, it's clear they're not making it. Hence why they saw, <laughs> we saw Zach Jones come in. They're like, all right, the dream's dead. Let's move Lafreniere to the to the first line. Let's, uh, you know, we can move Kreider down and let's get Zach Jones some playing time here. So why is Gautier, I do wonder if we'll see him tonight. Probably not. But why is he just on the bench? Like, why is he on the taxi squad doing nothing? You know what I mean? Like, he is something one that they can develop, you know, because you're right. They're going to have to augment the, the bottom six and go out and find guys that play that playoff ready style. But he's a guy who it can be. Potentially he's got the skill, yeah. the skill set for it. So why the why the you know, the F is he just not drawing into the lineup? So, you know, again, that that might be a coach player thing. Who knows? Or I don't know if he's like, you know, I, again, I have no idea. But yeah, to your point, I think it's one of those things where the revolving bottom six we've had the past few seasons since I started rebuilding, you know, it's like if you, and I, if well, you I don't probably on, answer that question, if you don't try you. to flip. Yeah. Yeah. Answer it for me. Cause I'm genuinely curious because ultimately I, I, I think the discussion is, you know, the dream might be dead, but let's reward the bottom six guys that, you know, you know, for the Rangers kind of overachieved, like, you know, the Roonies and the Blackwells and, I don't think he I think he's not afraid to take those players out, but, you know, he wants to reward them for their efforts that they've given this season, knowing that their time in New York is limited, which I don't think is the right thing to do. But ultimately, he that's I feel like that's Quinn's thought process because he is very rewarding of effort. And no, go ahead. No, I, I and I get that. And honestly, of all those guys, I do think Blackwell deserves after the year he had and just how hard the effort he's put forth. I think he's a guy who deserves to get flipped somewhere and hopefully they resign him to a I don't know how many years he left he has on his deal. I think it was a one year deal, right? It might be a two year, but whatever. I think he deserves to go somewhere and especially maybe a place like Buffalo or yeah, just or Detroit of the world and like, hey, look, I could be a val- good value. And I'm undervalued, you know, so they might pay him a little bit more, but he's still, you know, if he still has close, not that he'll have close to his output if he's not playing with Panarin, but at the same time, if he's a guy who could still pot in some bottom six, they're like, this is a good bottom six guy. Like he can get paid finally, you know? So I think he definitely deserves. So on that sense, I get it. But at the same time, you know, if it comes at the expense of Julian Gauthier not playing any more games this year, is that, is that, you know, right? No, that's, I agree. that's, I think, my biggest grievance so far. No, and, and we see this constantly, though, this whole season. You know, I, I think, you know, especially me, I'm a head case. So, like, I'm week by week. You know, <laughs> it's like the Rangers could go 3-0, and and I think we're going to win the Stanley Cup. The Rangers go 0-3, and, and I'm like, why aren't we developing our players? Because we'll never win another game. So, I, I get it. No, I, I understand the frustration because you have, you have 
I, you know, I, you know what it is. It's the the way the New York Rangers are built right now. They need to make a decision on some of these players. And you look at a player like the goat, and he's a perfect example. You want to see what he has, and if you're not going to see what he has, then what's the point of keeping him? And it's frustrating because you watch, uh, you know, a player like him, thinking, yeah, he might not be a second line guy, even a third line guy. But, uh, you know, you and I see him as a perfect fourth line player that can play a physical game that uh, has size and speed. You see him drive the net with the puck so many times and create his own scoring chances. And yeah, he's he's a little rough around the edges in terms of his defensive play and and and, and his positioning sometimes. But you know, maybe, I don't know, call, call us crazy, but I think we both want to see him get as many NHL minutes and maybe he does polish up that, that part of the game where he becomes a really effective fourth-line player, which what you'll, you will need in the next few years as you enter the playoffs. So um, I'll, I'll let you wrap this, this uh, podcast up with you know, maybe a more positive, less frustrating uh, thought process going forward. Well, I mean, the good thing, the silver lining for all this talk is that the Rangers are in a position that they can consider this and not because you look at some of the the rosters, you look at the Flyers and how they probably feel right now. They probably feel that their their core is needs major overhaul, that they have the wrong components, too many soft guys, whatever, because, you know, whatever you you hear stuff from. Uh, (laughs) different pockets of Twitter and HF boards and just how teams kind of feel fans feel about their teams and the Rangers. They're not, I, they don't definitely don't feel that way. I don't think they feel like they will, they'd have to be stupid at least to either move on from Zibanejad unless it was for a real good reason. And obviously Panera's not going anywhere and they're so thankful to have them. But yeah, I think you kind of do look at what is successful in the league now. And you have to, like I said, you wonder if the Islanders go, they've had trouble scoring at different times this year, because if all things are even and they run into a team in the playoffs that's playing just as good or just as staunch defense as them, who's going to, they're going to get outscored. You know what I mean? Like if they're, if they have the same number of chances and their goaltender can stand up to them, I think the other teams like, you know, even, you know, they, they'll definitely probably get through a round or two, but yeah, they like, they've been kind of bullied around a little bit. Cause if they're not, like I said, if they're not, playing that structure counterattack style and stifling teams. It's like they still have this other teams still have superior talent to win out. So, but you have to have both. Right. And obviously I think the biggest thing with this Rangers team is that they're young and you look at all the teams that have won the Stanley cup and their average ages, they're all older because they just have guys that have the experience and know how to lock it down. Uh, it'll be very fascinating to see Toronto after they injected all those older experienced guys into their lineup because of, you know, just their fan base is like enough with the the young, skilled, fast hockey and the and the bums. You know, they wanted some, you know, they have their older established guys now. So we'll see how that works out for them. That'll be a wild experiment to see because, you know, maybe they're more successful. Maybe it hurts them. I don't know. But I think the Rangers are lucky enough to kind of see what's going on because at the same time, you then you have teams like Colorado who maybe are a little bit closer to the Rangers where it's like they don't really have any two old guys. But, you know, they still have their older guys. But, you know, even Landeskog is a vet for them. And he's not the oldest. What is he? 28, right? Gabe, Gabe yeah, Landeskog, 29. If that. I know he's definitely so not 30. Very young. Yeah, there are still, I would say they're, yeah, he's 28 years old. So he's like like a Crider age type person. So 
Yeah, it's just interesting to see. So, I mean, listen, the Rangers are still in a very fortunate position. They're spoiled for choice. Like I said, they have prospects all over the place that can come in and make an impact. You know, unfortunately, they won't all get a chance with this team, but that's good because they get to, even if a guy blossoms elsewhere, you know, they can still flip him and try to get some good value for them, whoever they end up moving between Robertson and Schneider and, uh, um, and hell, even look at Hartford. I think Hartford's been awesome. We, Morgan Barron's been great, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, it, after a tentative start and kind of disappointing, he didn't make the team. But you know, we'll see him see if he can draw into the lineup because if let's, I mean, a fourth line of Morgan Barron, Julian Gauthier, and whoever else, you know, let's say they establish a more, you know, they get a guy who's like a four-checking Brendan uh, Smith defensive specialist <laughs> or Brendan Smith, who I, listen. For all of his faults, Brendan Smith has been one of the Rangers' more uh, positive players this year, which is pretty crazy. Maybe not so much always in terms of analytics, but clearly as a leader, he's scored big goals. He's been in those games where they were wilting. He's one of the guys to fight or step up. So I give him all the credit in the world. I don't think the Rangers will refor- can afford to resign him because he. I think a team will eventually give him a little bit more money than the Rangers will probably want to pay him, and that'll be that. But, you know, yeah, I mean, they. I, I think the Rangers will try to find solidify that's solidify that's uh, excuse me geez, i can't talk today that spot and who knows maybe eventually that becomes will cooley as he kind of settles his way to work his way up to a third you know a bottom six wing power you know pesty power winger role so you know the the pieces are out there i just obviously it just falls on jeff gordon to uh, really sit down think this one through and put it together thank you for listening to the broadway boys podcast Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.